It's time for another Titans talk, fellas. Week twelve. Hey, stupid Jacks think they can come into Nashville and win a game. You can't win, dude. You can't beat Derek Henry. He's gonna have two hundred yards and five touchdowns. My man's wicked live. Big fella, Landon brings up a big point. I think this is a big pride game for Titans fans, right? We're sensing, wow, 3 and oh, 1 with Van sure. Hill. Ah, we've trusted this team before, but except for earlier this season, we sort of mm-hmm. owned this team. I think it sort of has trap game written on it a bit. Vegas has us at a three point favorite, which basically is just home field. This is going to be a tight game, right? I, I think so. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we've owned them specifically in Nashville. I, I feel like that trend will continue, but it is a trap game, especially when you get to this point in the season when you're still in contention and not a front runner. Everything's kind of a trap game. Guys, I know we get frustrated through the season some, and this season especially, but a week without a game, it was pretty tough. I mean, I love NFL Red Zone. It's interesting to be just an NFL fan, but I got to say, by the end of Sunday, I was just ready to, to think more Titans. I was ready to get back to this team. I have high hopes that, yes, there are going to be challenges with this game. They have their hands full with the Jacksonville's defensive line. We're going to talk about that a bit later. We need this game, absolutely. Let's talk about what happened. And the AFC South, we're able to just sort of sit back and watch. Houston got beat. They got dominated by a team that is at their absolute peak right now, Landon. Tell me kind of what you thought about Houston. I, myself, yes, they're without J.J. Watt. And, uh, but they played a really good team, and I think they still – I still think the AFC South goes through Houston, right? I think so. They've got a game lead on the Colts in the division, two games on us. Obviously, we still play them twice. What was most surprising was, up until Carlos Hyde had a long touchdown run in the fourth quarter, they were being shut out. And I know he was on the road. Baltimore's defense, ever since they traded for Marcus Peters, has been elite. Even though they played the Seahawks, Patriots, and Texans. But still, you have to score at least one touchdown. Now, there are a few terrible, mind-boggling no-calls by the refs, including a, a clear pass interference on Hopkins' zone. That wasn't good. Yeah, that was that bad. Period. But still, if you get shut out for almost 50 minutes, no matter who you're playing. That's very interesting. I know right now Baltimore might be the best team in football. They might be playing like it. I thought Houston was better than that, and I expected it to be a much more competitive game. What he's just saying gave a lot of Titans fans hope, like, oh, wow, we can get back in this thing, and probably after starting two and four. But if we don't take care of business on Sunday, these division games are just like rival games in high school or conference games in college. We don't take care of business on Sunday because this team is not going to roll over. They're more desperate than we are. We don't take care of that. It's going to throw water on this whole thing, and we'll be right back where we were, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, division games, especially at the record we're at, at 5-5, five and five, division games are way too important. Lost the two division games that we played so far. So we're 0-2 in the division. That's a terrible place to be at. So these are all super important. Like you said, if we lose this one, I mean, mathematically, we're probably not out of it. But at that point, we're probably... We're probably starting more draft prep. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do that yet. I'm, I, I love that this team gives us that second half of the season push where we're still looking to be in it and looking to win it too. So you mentioned Indianapolis land, and they didn't get much of a challenge from Jacksonville's offense last week. Um, they've battled injuries. They're going to be a tough out. To me, it's cliche. Sometimes teams take on the personality of their quarterback, and this team is tough like Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah, the strength of their entire team is their offensive line. They just love to bully people to get physical. Quinn Nelson might be one of the best offensive linemen, period. In the NFL, not the best. 
They play good defense. They force turnover. They play as a team. And they're powered through their running game. I know Marlon Mack fractured his hand. He might be out for the rest of the regular season. Maybe into the postseason if they make it. But still, they're a team that wins in the trench. And Jacoby Brissett is a guy who embodies that kind of toughness. Big fella. We all watched Quentin Nelson attempt to get in the end zone as fullback. He didn't quite get there, but he thought he did. Did the keg stand celebration. Uh, as good as he is, he did not look very athletic or good running that ball, but that's not what he does. Right. When you In your playing days, high school and college, did you ever get the ball? No, I'll tell you what. It was our final game of my senior se- season in high school, and I asked, the coach, I asked my coach before the game, I said, hey, coach, if we're up big on this team, let me play running back. He said, Johnny, you must be dreaming, buddy. I was like, right there, my hopes and dreams were crushed. So, no, I did not ever score a touchdown. Yes, I'm very bitter about it. Landon, as a guy who's less than 12 months from uh, going away to college, uh, what's your critique on the keg stand uh, post-touchdown celebration that really wasn't a touchdown? I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, he's got to be over 320 pounds and get up that high and be that athletic. Hey, you do that. Yes, there. it turns out there wasn't a touchdown. On replay, it didn't really look close, but still. Hey, props to Quinn Nelson. You got to attempt that, and you actually pull it off just a behemoth. Of- well, it would look pretty awkward if T.Y. Hilton was doing a, a keg stand <laughs> hoisted by five linemen, so I'm glad he did it. Loved it. I, I did enjoy the the uh, creativity of it, although it took me a while to figure out what they were doing because I went to Christian College. <laughs> I knew what they were doing right away. <laughs> so, guys, we've talked about Jacksonville uh, and our jerseys we would have if we were uh, unfortunate enough to be Jacksonville Jaguar fans. Um, I think everyone knows that we – like Tony Bazzelli and the one or two other players that and I like Calais Campbell. And I think our listeners already, already uh, are aware of that. Who's the guy you've over the years started rivalry with the Jaguars? I don't want to say we don't like these guys because we don't know them, but who, who have you kind of enjoyed uh, when they come to town or we go down there? Who have you liked rooting against? I mean, it's really low hanging fruit, but Blake Bortles. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say the same. I mean, he's pretty much a mean quarterback now. He's clearly a bust. He wasn't that good. His best season was a season where they sucked, piled up garbage time stats. Whenever he came to Nashville, he's in line for at least a couple dumb interceptions. I think of Mario's third season, week 17, a night game, playoffs on the line. Bortles, three interceptions, two to Kevin Byers, two awful throws. Thank you for getting us in the playoffs, Blake Bortles. I love you. <laughs> I mean that with, I mean this with all due respect. Landon is 100% right. We really hated to see him go, and that's not sarcastic because we, even though he had his moments uh, other teams, we ate, this guy. we ate that guy's life. John, who's your favorite Jag to root against? I'll tell you what. One guy that I I, uh, that I, hate, I liked to root against and like to see him fail, honestly, is T.J. Yeldon while he was there because I remember when T.J. Yeldon was a freshman at Alabama – he hit the field, and that dude was so smooth and so quick. I was like, this guy is going to be the next, you know, all-time running back. Then he just kind of sucked when he got to the NFL. And I was like, okay, apparently I don't know how to scout any running backs because I thought you were legit all-time, and then here you are barely doing anything. So I always liked to see him, like, stutter and not get going. So it was, it was kind of fun to really You know, the Jacks have not a long history or a super proud history. They've had some good teams and they've had some good players. They've had some really good, scrappy, underrated running backs in their history. Uh, Fred Taylor was was that guy, I think, exhibit A of that guy that the average NFL fan doesn't remember. But the guy was just terrific, and he was sort of multifaceted before that was really a thing. And then Maurice Jones grew as small as he was. That guy was like – he was like a wet bowling ball. I mean, that guy was so hard to get down. His center of gravity – he was old school, and he was smart. He was a good guy. I don't think Leonard Fournette really follows in that uh, sort of echelon. Uh, he was uh, – I just – we all know my philosophy 
of the draft, and I felt like uh, he was overdrafted. I know we talked a lot about that, and we had some good discussion, and you made some good points, big fellow. But Saquon Barkley was was a reach, but not because of his talent, just because it's hard to justify a number two pick for a running back. But at least he was every thing he could possibly be, right? Fournette was one-dimensional coming out. He had injury history coming out. He had some attitude issues. I don't want to pile on him, but I've always kind of liked kind of being right about him. And, yes, he's put up a lot of yards, but I just don't think he – I think he helps limit that offense because they are one-dimensional in, in the running game, right? Yeah, I think I think Fournette had a really good rookie year, and I saw some stuff out of him that I really liked. But after that, you know, like you mentioned, he has a lot of yards, limited touchdowns, and he just doesn't have that physical tenacity that kind of made him a top – and you know what he had in his rookie year where he was uh waving he was you know taunting Steelers play, players in the middle of a run which I thought was incredible I was just like oh man we're screwed this guy's in the division for a long time and he's gonna just terrorize us but he hasn't been that guy so on draft night I was predicting he would go that high and just because of need and the team and what I thought they were going to do, but yeah, I'm not, you know, he's, he's talking me out of his draft grade. All right, guys, I'll ask you each this question for our folks. Listen, a lot of them want to know just that one thing to be looking for Sunday Titans, Jags, three Oh five kickoff. I know that's uh, not common for Titans, Jags. I think it makes it interesting. I love hanging out, tailgating all after and then going up there. The number one thing our listeners need to be looking for as far as this game goes, we haven't played in two weeks. What do we need to see? from our team, and what should we be looking for from the Jacks? For instance, uh, they've had poor offensive line play. That's going to be a big thing, a tone setter. So the biggest thing for me is hopefully our defensive line is back and healthy. We'll get to see Casey and Simmons at full strength, hopefully. Daquan Jones has done well. We'll see those guys, and if they can really exasperate the big weakness, and we'll see uh, how Jacksonville can can contend with those guys with a – kind of a broken offensive line, that's going to be the big thing for me. What about y'all? So the biggest thing to me is how do we open up this game on off? Do we come out under center? Do we want to bludgeon them to death with Henry like he always does here in Nashville? Or do we respect their tenacious front seven? Do we spread them out, go with the West Coast, quick passing attack, just avoid giving Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Josh Allen time to rush the pass? Do we just try to avoid turnovers or do we try and go for the kill? Do we try to do what we haven't done for so long? Do we try and jump into the modern NFL? Do we go into a game? We just try and start slinging it all over. The- Big fella, he makes an excellent point. Also, Tannehill has made folks be honest. He hasn't lit up the stat sheet, but his rating has been excellent. And if you watch the games, he's just been brazen and tough. Teams cannot go 8-9 of the box anymore, can they? Right. Yeah, no, they, they can. We're a multidimensional offense, you know. I feel like when against the Chiefs, they kind of didn't account for Tannehill's legs, and he made them pay for it with some really crucial first down runs and that two-point conversion run, which I thought was just incredible. And showed yeah. his grit and his toughness. Oh, absolutely. So that was amazing to see. I mean, we were all on our feet, giving us that ability. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the this as much speed or the running threat as Mariota, but he's you know a very athletic guy, and he can definitely do a lot of different things. Which now people have to account for all of it. So I think that's great. But you know, my point for for Sunday's game is none of this happens, and Tannehill does not look I- impressive unless we get some good offensive line play we can't allow him to get destroyed by those defensive monsters that we've been mentioning this whole episode we've got to get some hats on Campbell we've got to get some hats on Ngakwe and and Josh Allen we've got to protect the quarterback 
And a lot of that comes from, you know, having a very balanced offensive attack. So we've got to go deep. We've got to get Henry going early and often. And then, you know, we have to really just step up our line play. So I'm looking for Taylor Lewan to finally make good on his promises that he's made through Twitter to be better and to live up to his his pay grade and his draft pedigree and all these sorts of things. I need him to be the leader of this offensive line, and I need him to show some fiery rage and block some guys, just block them out of the play. That's an excellent point, and it's not going to be apples to apples from week two because a lot's changed for them and a lot's changed for us. But it will be interesting to uh, to get a contrast of how things are now for us under Tannehill with Lawan back. And like you said, we have been overall pretty good in run blocking. We're going to have to put it all together. And like you said, hopefully it'll help us that they just can't sell out for the run now. It's We're going to learn so much on Sunday. But Titans fans, don't think this is a pass or a gimme. This team's going to be ready to play. Yes, we have a good track record. I've just got a feeling it's going to be quite a fight on Sunday. Landon, Nick Foles looked rusty on Sunday, and we got to give him, you know, kind of credit for that. He was out a while. Expect to see him pick it up on Sunday? I do think so, that he will play better because if he plays as bad as that spells trouble for the Jag. And obviously, coming back from the first half, we've been out of the game for a long time. And our past, especially once we lost Malcolm Butler, hasn't been as dominant as So I think our defense could give him the ability to shake off the rust and get back in. Big fella, for the next six games of the regular season and whatever we might do in the playoffs, heart of hearts, hypothetical question. If you could have Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew for the rest of the season and postseason, or... Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota. Honest to goodness, which one of those pairs? I would instantly take Tannehill and Mariota. You've got two healthy guys who have mobility. They can both play. I, I think I, li- I liked Minshew and what he brought to the team as far as a- an excitement level. And, you know, he wasn't afraid to throw the ball. Foles, you know, he's got that veteran experience. He's gone in and he's won the big game. He's won a Super Bowl. So that's hard to, to ever knock a- against him. But. I really like our versatility in our offense right now, and I don't think either of those guys bring that to us. So I'm rolling with Mariota and Tannehill. Well, Tannehill and Mariota. Same question, Lamb. Oh, it's easily Tannehill and Mariota because on the Jags side, you've got a guy who's played one and a half games, and for only that first half did he look good. And you've got a six-round rookie. At times, Flash was a surprising rookie year, but he came back down to earth in the last few weeks, especially against the Texans in London. And I just have confidence in Tannehill to perform better than either. I think Mario, you would say, especially with Foles' injury, would be a bit below him. So easily the Titans quarterbacks. John, Calais Campbell ate our lunch in week two. Oh. Three sacks and even beyond that would just terrorize us. Have we improved our offensive yeah. line? We had like nine penalties in that game. Have we improved enough off, off the offensive line? And of course, Mariota contributed to some degree to that. And Lawan being out. Uh, although Calais Campbell plays different slots and kind of moves around, um, are, are we better prepared for Calais Campbell on Sunday? I'll tell you what, I sure hope so. Uh, I mean, as far as a roster perspective, yeah, you mentioned Luan is back. But, yeah, Calais Campbell plays a lot of inside. Um, you know, we have Nate Davis starting over Jamil Douglas. So that's a little bit better so far. Nate Davis has played pretty well. Uh, I wouldn't say he's played great but I think he's definitely an upgrade over Jamil Douglas. So, yes, we've gotten better, but I think we've also developed more as a team. We have more options. We have Derrick Henry running the ball a lot more effectively right now. And, you know, Tannehill is able to stretch the field. We've seen it so far. That in itself will keep somebody like Clayus Campbell kind of tired. And he's, you know, I have fits about him. The other guy I have fits about, too, um, Josh Allen. He's really come into his own, too. 
So I'm sure we're going to talk about him quite a bit. But but those two guys together, are, they're kind of terrorizing. Landon, two questions. One, I know Clayus Campbell has not practiced every day this week. So do you think you'll see him? And number two, the Jags have really impressive depth along their defensive line. Even Tavon Austin got in on the mix. Uh, the guy they famously picked, uh, I think, 28th over Lamar Jackson two seasons ago. I think he had two sacks last week. And, of course, we know about Ngakwe. And Josh Allen has been is their sacks leader. So even with or without Glass Campbell, um, kind of the same question I asked Big Fella. Is it is it scary for you to think about us having to face off against this this defensive line Sunday? I would expect Campbell to be available because this is the Jags' season, right? They lose, it's over. Any fleeting hopes of the playoffs are gone because there's no way they can climb out of this deficit, especially the division record. And two, their pass rush does really worry me a lot, but our offensive line is much better than was even with how up and down Lawan has been. Jamil Douglas showed why he should be your second string right guard and not your starter. And putting him against an all-pro and Calais Campbell was a awful matchup in of itself. At the same time, the Jags obviously traded away Jalen Rand, who's a top five cover corner. So yes, their front seven is still as nasty as it always, but their pass coverage isn't as dominant as it was. Well, let me add something to that too, because when we played them in week three, it was in Jacksonville on their turf, and the weather conditions were less than ideal. It was a lot of rain. And having played on the offensive and defensive line, a lot of times it's fun to get in that mud and get all messed up. And But footing is your biggest problem. And defensive linemen take advantage of that specifically against offensive linemen. And I think having a guy like Jamil Douglas in those weather conditions with terrible footing, it's less than ideal. So hopefully on our home turf with what's supposed to be a really nice day, you know, gives us some stable footing. Um, and, you know, I think we've developed as a, as a, as a group on the offensive line uh, overall a lot better. And hopefully we're better prepared for these guys and they're not going to pick us apart like they did uh, in week three. Yeah. Landon, you mentioned Jalen Rains. Obviously, they haven't been really bad as a defensive backfield with Adam, but they're going to miss him on Sunday, right? Oh, I, th- I definitely think so. I mean, you can't take a number one corner away from any and have them not miss him. So he's obviously one of the best corners for a reason. And, you take him off the field and they're left pretty depleted. So I think that's a matchup we'll be able to take advantage of. And also is a veteran leadership. He may not have been the quarterback for the defense, but he definitely had a lot of input. So I think that's something that, you know, we've kind of seen since he's left Jacksonville. They haven't looked as great as they were when he was there. So I think that's something that, uh, you know, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to play a, t- a Jaguars team without Jalen Ramsey. Um, it gives us an advantage. Landon. Last year, of course, about this time, we played Jackson here in Nashville in a night game, and that's when Derrick Henry famously had a record-setting day. He had 188 yards rushing the last time he played. Expectations are going to be super high. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who had the whole stadium on Thursday Night Football chanting his name, wanting him to get that fifth touchdown. I was, I'm the biggest Corey Davis, but when they passed it to him in the end zone, I was my rival because you got to give a guy a chance. And then Mar- <laughs> last week, Marlon yeah, and- had one of his best games of the season against this Jags defense before fracturing his hand. And Dick Crittenry is a more powerful running back and just a better player I think, in general. Now, the Colts' offensive line is better. And- if Marlon Mack can gash, I don't see why Dick Henry can't have a performance of what he did. And need I point out that that Thursday night football game was in week 12 and came after a bye. And sure enough, we are in week 12. And it's going to be dark bye. pretty soon. Yeah, what's going to be interesting is uh, mm-hmm. it'll be sundown about 5 o'clock Sunday. So we'll play probably almost half of that game in the dark. It's interesting to note that for sure. And they are wearing these same uniforms they wore in that game with the all blue. 
play calling at the end of the game two weeks ago against the Chiefs makes me think that should be with two weeks off, we should see some interesting wrinkles on Sunday afternoon, right? I think your optimism is well-placed because Tannehill was not put into the best situation at all in terms of having to step in because Mariota got benched on the road. And he hasn't played exactly a murderer's road, but he hasn't played a bunch of scrubs. And we've seen times and time again just little glimpses of what it could be, but it's always when we desperately win. We need a miracle against the Chiefs. It's not, oh, it's first. It's the middle of the first quarter. We got second and three at midfield. Let's bust out this really nice passing attack. It's always, oh, we better save our butts this game. With two weeks to scheme, to develop chemistry, develop more faith in Tannehill, I think our passing closer to what we in in-game heroics than what we see for the other three quarters. Yeah, I think Tannehill wants to open up. He wants to chuck it. So I think we're definitely going to see that. And I think the bye week, you know, it's been his first opportunity since getting the start to kind of get some time and, you know, go over some things rather than, you know, week in and week out game planning. So I think I think if you learned anything from Ryan Tannehill uh, in the last month and especially the last time we saw him, uh, he is not afraid to make mistakes. He's going to fling it and he's not perfect and he is going to do something and then he's going to come right back out there and be literally fearless. Uh, so I think that's good and it's refreshing. Uh, Titans fans need to understand this guy is going to have a rough game where he has two or three turnovers. What I want to see is them do that and still be in contention and try to win because I don't think he's going to retreat. I I think it's interesting. A month ago when Mariota was benched, John, you made an interesting point that if you think that if we see Marcus Mariota again, he'll be shot out of a cannon and he'll understand what he had to lose. He's never been benched. And he will come out and he'll fight for his career and he'll have a new lease and a new thought process and context, right, of, hey, I got to do this. I, I can't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. I think we're seeing that from Tannehill. I think Tannehill, I think he had I, I eight too. seasons as a starter and then uh, he was given away for peanuts. And then I think he found in his agent like the best ideal situation and it has come to fruition. He is on the field with a good team and he's just letting her rip. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Because, you know, these guys are in similar situations. The only difference, you know, Tannehill with the Dolphins made it to his next contract. And, you know, he kind of got a taste of it. And sure enough, like you mentioned, then gone for pretty much nothing. Kind of got to come to Jesus moment, too. So it's really interesting to have two of those kind of guys on the same team. Because obviously, one of those guys seizes that opportunity. He won't get that opportunity. He might, you know, he might be like Tannehill and he'll go somewhere else next year. But for right now... If Tannehill stays hot, Marcus will not get his shot. What's our injury situation? Uh, obviously, the big questions, Landon, are Drill Case and Corey Davis. Uh, what, what's the latest you, you've heard on those guys? All right, so Chris Milton did not practice today. Delaney Walker was a limited participant with his ankle. He's been out the past couple games. You get him back. Even though we've been able to mix and match tight ends like we did last year. J.M. Brown, Drell Casey, and Corey Davis were all full, full participants today. That's really a good sign because it was a great win on Sunday against the Chiefs, but you can't expect to win when you're missing two of your four best defensive players and one of your top. And that gives us just an even better chance to win because if we get if we get even just three of these guys, Brown, Casey, and David, that's a huge influx of talent compared to what we put on the field last week. John, Casey, Simmons, and Jones, we've not seen them all three of them at full health together. That's our best lineup. That's going to give Simmons the ability to not see – a guy and a half or two guys or be chipped. Yeah, specifically, Simmons and Casey. I want to see them both fully healthy next to each other, putting so much pressure on the inside of that line. You know, they're going to have to double-team both guys. 
that frees up somebody off the edge, whether it's Cam Way, Carol Landry, uh, Sharif Finch. There's going to be opportunities, especially the way that they're going to have to block them. Then as soon as that happens, they're going to uh, double team the, whoever's coming off the edge, and then that's going to free up some space for some linebacker blitzes or for Jarrell Casey or uh, Jeffrey Simmons to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups. So I love it. I cannot wait. Landon, Leonard Fournette is a tough straight-line runner. I think he's sixth in the NFL in rushing uh, this year so far. He does not have a lot of squirm, and he is sort of one dimension. Um, but it's it's one good dimension. How do our linebackers match up with him specifically in his running style? I think with the emergence of Rashawn Evans in particular, he fit pretty well because he's not a guy that's going to dance in the backfield and juke you out. He hits the hole. He tries to blast through. Tries to blast. But Evans and Jam Brown are two of the most athletic young linebackers in the game. And they can keep up with him, and they can absorb the contact and bring him down. And we saw on Thursday night, he bottled up the whole entire game until he busted out a long run when the game was out of hand. The defense was just tired of having to be out there because the offense was so sucky. Evans and Brown, they really can neutralize Fournette. He has one touchdown on the He has way over 1,000 scrimmage yards. So he's great between the 20s. He piles up the yards, but the whole offense struggle with the Reds. That's big because three is less than seven. And Fournette only having one touchdown isn't necessarily a fluke. He's not a guy when you know he's going to power up the middle. He's- Landon really likes DJ Chark coming out of LSU two drafts ago. He's looked the part and statistically is the part of an NFL number one receiver leading man. Even though that offense has had the transition of Foles for a half and then Gardner Minshew for several games and now back to Foles. Uh, they've struggled some offensively. He still has excellent statistics. I think, what, over 700 yards receiving? Your expectations for our shorthanded corners and safeties against Chark on Sunday effort? Yeah, you know, DJ Chark, he's, uh, you know, like you mentioned, he's a very good player. And, you know, he, he scored once on us in the week three. And he, he's just that quick guy. And I think, like you mentioned, they're going to take advantage of our, our co- lack of corner depth, especially with Malcolm Butler on IR. I think they're going to target target our, our younger corners, uh, and hopefully Adori stays on them because I think Adori is the only one that can keep up with them step for step. It'll definitely be a weakness for us, and it's something that they can exploit. And we saw in Nick Foles' return, you know, he was the he was the receiver that that he was looking at pretty much all game. Landon, you were dead right about him. Uh, he's big and he's fast. He's explosive. He's been really good because he was in that LSU offense. He was little used. If you were helping put the game plan together, uh, Landon, for Sunday, what's the best approach from a personnel standpoint uh, for Chark? You, uh, John mentioned he, he would go early and heavy with uh, with Jackson, who's the only guy I think that could match his uh, explosive. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say put Jackson on Chark, shift some safety help over the top, and throw Logan Ryan at Westbrook. You put two guys on, you check him out as much as you can. You tell everyone else, hey, and so far, their passing hasn't been that great outside of chart. You feel infinitely times better if you're telling D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley, hey, go drop 100 yards and a touchdown on this compared to asking chart. Landon, David Long looks like the next in a long line of day three picks. John Robinson, in just three drafts, has continued to, to hit on these guys. He's got a future with this team, right? Oh, absolutely. He's filled in great considering how late he was picked, the fact that he has to fill in Jayon Brown. He's a guy that's kind of built like Jayon, under six foot. He's fast, and he just has the heart to go anybody because he knows that he can win it. And the past couple of weeks I've been looking at the sidelines, asking one more, because I legitimately didn't remember that he was on the active roster defense, but 
he was making plays, especially because you know, that kind of guy where starter goes down or he's out for a play, and you have to put it, you're confident that your backup's not going to screw up and you're going to get burnt. And he reminds me just so much of John Brown because they're so similar. It's just that Brown has a longer track record in the NFL and has produced more. But John Robinson always seems to find these guys on day three, later round picks who have the athleticism, but maybe not the size, pedigree of a big time. And lo and behold, they come into the NFL. They're valuable contributors to a good team. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up. I'm super excited for Sunday. Feels like it's been forever. 305, everybody. We're going to be over uh, tailgating. We'd love to see you guys. We're going to be over by the Yeehaw festivities, playing some cornhole, watching Red Zone. Just appreciate all of our listeners. Looking forward to Sunday. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.